Prologue. The beginning. It is good to have an end to journey towards, but it is the journey that matters in the end. Ursula Le Guin. I am the replacement child, the child born after the tragic death of my brother, whom I never knew. The almost two-year-old cherub, whose giggling, dimpled, chubby face peers at me from multiple locations in antique frames, strategically arranged throughout my childhood home. Geoffrey, the forever perfect, golden-haired little boy, who never had the opportunity to grow up and grow old. Geoffrey, whose place I suddenly took as second child. Child number two, he was the family member about whom I wasn't supposed to talk or ask questions, yet through my mother's whispers and unspoken words, I implicitly knew I had to quite impossibly measure up to an unlived life. If Geoffrey had lived, you wouldn't have been born. My mother would often say throughout the years. Thus, even from an early age, I sensed that I must have done something horrific. To cause my poor brother's demise, such confusion solidified my mark as the little girl growing into young adulthood, the little girl who could and would do anything for the love of a mother, whose heart was shattered into sharp pieces. I felt it my duty and my life's mission to pick up these jagged shards one by one and put them back together, in the form of my mother's broken heart. It took almost my entire life for me to realize that nothing I did. Could actually fix what was broken, nor could I create my rightful place in a family whose blueprint had already been designed. I was and always would be second best, second string, always on the bench waiting to be called, cheering from the bleachers, awaiting, in some way, my turn to be first, a turn that would never come. I grew to recognize the variation between the mother I lived with. And the one within the sepia edges of the black and white photos, scattered throughout our downstairs den. These pictorial revelations reflected my mother's pre-motherhood days, before loss replaced her inner glow with a grieving, wrinkled spirit. Her cascades of wavy jet black hair framed her olive complexion. Such Romanesque beauty, defined by sculpted cheekbones and a strong, straight nose enhanced by her darkened lips. Which in colour became bright red, her signature shade. Her impeccably coordinated dresses and shoes revealed her slim hourglass figure and shapely legs. Yet, the mother I came to know spent most of her days lying in bed, sometimes for parts of a day, but always in bed each day. My father would matter-of-factly comment, "Ma, she needs a lot of rest." Yet. As a child, I was told that sick people stayed in bed. I intuitively knew then that my mother was ill. Yet I could not hear her cough. I could not see her runny nose, nor was she doubled over with a stomachache. No, her ills were deep within, which no amount of supine positioning could restore. Over the years, I experienced my mother's withdrawal, always teetering on the edge of depression and exhaustion, yet still able to get through her daily life. As if she were a leaf that falls from a tree, knowing its destination is the ground below, but too fragile to land on target, always floating a little off the mark. Often her bedroom door was closed, shut tightly like her heart, as if to seal herself from the pain that another child's love and possible loss could bring. For me, 
her daily long rest forever stamped within me the decision for my own life, to never lie in bed, unless I literally could not step out of one. This was my fate. Then, to dance as fast as I could without music, to keep busy when exhaustion took over, to will myself fine, when at times I was close to collapsing. Until today, I have never stayed in bed as long as I could walk, and when I couldn't walk, I found a sofa, anything but a bed. My parents, especially my mother, were encouraged by their respective parents and the old-time family doctor to have another child soon after their toddler died, so soon there was no time to formally and healthily grieve such a traumatic loss. How then can I truly understand such utter anguish and misery? The incomprehensible grief that enveloped my mother as she watched her baby lie dying in the hospital.